So there's a lot of talk about super teams nowadays. Our guest today has a little bit different philosophy. His mission is to create a team, a world tour team for not only the men, but also the women. Jens Hogland joins us today. Jensi, what did you think of that chat? It was actually a pretty interesting chat. I love the fact how open he is, how he um, is not a micromanager, but he gives responsibility and gives people the chance to be their own person in their job. I love to talk about that. And I was absolutely blown away and impressed by the amount of people he has in his team. He calls himself still the young and up and coming team. But holy smokes, the amount of people in his team, it was mind-blowing. Yes, and his team or their team was the Uno X Pro Cycling Team, now known as Uno X Mobility. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our great conversation with Jens Hogland. Hello and welcome Jens Hogland to Bobby and Jens. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Man, super excited to talk to you today. Um, obviously, you are the general manager of one of the biggest up-and-coming teams in the Peloton, and I'm sure we're going to get into detail into that a little bit later. But first off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I heard through a couple birds that you actually were a talented uh, football or soccer player, as we say in the U.S. back in the day. Is that true? Uh, those birds are are dangerous, huh? uh, but uh, yeah, it's true. My, my original sport was was football um, as a young, um, and then I realized um, that uh, it's a tough world out there, and I also had some some other uh, potential paths to follow, and and uh, and here we are, quite some years later, after after being a part of, of this team for 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 since the start. So, um, but yeah, football uh, was my original sport, and I'm still a very big football fan. Alrighty, big football fan me, you might like me or hate me now. Internationally, <laughs> I do like FC Liverpool. I'm from former East Germany, so already back in East Germany as a kid, we knew about FC Liverpool. Um, and I like the German coach they have. So internationally, I follow uh, FC Liverpool. What, what's your team? I, 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 we're really not starting off the new year very well, uh, Mr. Fox, because I'm a Manchester United fan. So it will, it it, it won't be uh, won't be the best thing to to talk about. Uh, but uh, at the moment, your your team is far ahead of of mine, and uh, Ten Hag has way bigger tasks uh, on his table than than Mr. Klopp. So um, all good for Liverpool at least. Jeez, but. Let's let's get into it a little bit now. I mean, this is your fifth season as a pro team, but you started back in 2016 with 2017 being your first year of racing. Um, how did you decide back in 2016 that this was something that you wanted to pursue? Um, we started uh, with our company and our owners in cycling in 2012, 2013, but not with a team. And then we learned uh, learned a lot from the early years, and and of course uh, we got to know some some very very clever people in in Norway, very and very competent people within cycling, uh, including some of the guys you know very well. Um, and and then uh, in sixteen seventeen we said okay let's start up with the continental team and and see where this takes us. Um, uh, it still it feels like uh, a decade ago. It's all, almost this now, but but. Uh, but yeah, the, the intention was to, to create a story around our, our um, business and try to transform that story into a cycling team. And, and, and the, the story is still ongoing. And, and why cycling? Why not a Nordic sport like ice skating, skiing, ice hockey? Or, or if you come from the soccer or football world, why not creating a, a football team? Why cycling? Could have been because, but uh, the big, big advantage of cycling is you can control a lot. 
Uh, you can control the team name. You can, can control the operations. Uh, we, we own the team ourselves. We are not sponsoring any, any the team. We are not sending many money out to someone else taking care of it. So uh, we have an owner that is very long term in his visions. And, and this is good for us. So And, and another, of course, advantage of, of, of cycling is that you can take it a bit step by step. You could start as a continental team with control there and, and see where it takes us. So And... Final, of course, uh, commercial speech from from Norway is that we we are um, currently transforming our business. We are a mobility company selling uh, fuel and um, EV or power, and we need to to have um, a concept to tell that story because we need to move from the old world into a new world. And the ultimate uh, way of talking about mobility, it's it's in my mind, it's two things. It's either walking or uh, or uh, riding your bike. Uh, so here we are. But, okay, you said it's almost been a decade since you started, but um, that same little birdie told me that you faced some challenges um, <laughs> like I would imagine you would face. But most directly, he he or she, I won't sell them out on on the podcast, said... Ask him about ordering 15 Bianchi bikes during the first year. What, what, what yeah. was he referring to? I will talk to Kurt Oschle after uh, the podcast, but uh, no, uh, uh, for sure. Um, I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm very interested in cycling and been that for many years. I've been, I've been picking bottles after you guys in the mountains uh, in the early 2000s. But uh, when we decided we need, okay, we need a good bike brand and Bianchi at that time had a good position in Norway. Um, so we decided let's go with Bianchi uh, and, and we got some really good bikes. So the Ultra, I think XR4 was the name of the, the, of the bike that, at that time. The only thing was that it came without saddles. So I, I was quite shocked when we were supposed to mount the bikes in, in, the, in the garage of the, of the headquarters of UNOX. And uh, the mechanic was there, uh, Tommy Josefsson, uh, scratching his head. And I was like, yeah, Jens, do you think, any, any, what about the saddles? And I said, saddles, are they not a part of the bike? So we had some really, uh, I would say, amateur fun stories in the, in the, early, in the early beginnings, but, but that's how it should be. And it, those stories is a, a part of our legacy. So since you come from another really nice organized sport, the soccer, now you come also from the business side. Was mm. there a few things um, early on when you went into cycling where you think, are they stupid? Why are you doing <laughs> like that for the last hundred years? Or the other way around, are there a few things where you go, wow, that's pretty smart the way they do this or this. So do you have any, any experience or any examples for that where you go, oh, this is stupid? Or you go, wow, how clever? Uh, I, I, would, I would say the, the, the dedication in cycling is, is quite extreme. Um, I would also say that the, the cycling has been through a crazy transformation the last 10 years. When I started, I think we were a bit more old school in, the, in our way of thinking. Uh, talking about nutrition, for instance, sitting five, six hours on the bike. And I, I will never forget, I actually went on a ride with Markus Burgart. Uh, I don't remember, 2015. And then uh, after 120 kilometers in Bavaria, and it was uh, 30 degrees, and I was, of course, melting down. And I could see I had a half a bottle uh, full with water and he hadn't been eating anything. And I said, Burgart, are you not eating anything? Uh, and then I just said, uh, Jens, you know, uh, eating is the first sign of weakness. So uh, I, I, uh, that was a shock. Uh, then I realized that this is a different world. Um, um, so I'm trying to find a bit of a different path into communicating with my youngsters. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's, also, uh, it's also about the mentality the, that also a rider like Marcus illustrates. And, and after, after that story, he, he still had some really good years in, in Bora and, and even became a, a German champion. So, um, so yeah, maybe, maybe he, it was worth, uh, the attitude was worth it. Yeah, I don't fully support that eating is a sign <laughs> of weakness, especially these days no. with the amount of carbohydrates. Me neither, Bobby. Me neither. The guys are expending. But, um, you know, so your, your men's team is compromised of riders from Denmark and Norway, 100%. But unless my geography is wrong, Scandinavia also includes the country of Sweden. Would a Swedish rider be, be welcomed on your team in, in the future? 
We have it in the women's team, but on the men's team, we we have said that we we have because our business countries they are Norway and Denmark, um, and and we have decided uh, to to keep it like that. Um, so uh, at the moment, we are not uh, we are not willing to change that actually, and I, I think that we can we see even in the juniors uh, recruitment side now it's going really well for both countries. Uh, we have some disadvantages with that that approach, but we also have some very huge advantages and. And we are trying to use and to benefit from those. Um, um, so uh, no, um, currently no no uh, male riders from Sweden, and I don't think we will see that uh, at, at least uh, in, in short term views. So to make it more clear, it is for the moment it's written in stone. You keep your men's team con made out of these two uh, countries. I've learned in this business it's difficult to write things in stone. Um, If if uh, let's say a uh, Swedish company shows up and say, "Hey, we've seen you running a cool team here, Unox uh, guys. Uh, we have 10 million euros, uh, but can you pick three Swedes to that team?" Um, of course, uh, that will be something to think about. We need to make sure we have a structure that we can compete on, uh, with in, in the, at the world tour level, and and we, we can see the the money flowing into the, to the world uh, the, of cycling at the moment. So uh, we need to stay relevant. At the moment, we are very relevant with our concept and our way of thinking. We have extremely long term, fantastic owners, but um, writing in stones, um, ah, uh, dangerous game. I, I just want to go back and, and clear up a, a couple things for our viewers and our listeners as well as myself. So the Uno X Pro Cycling team is now Uno X Mobility. Um, yep. I would normally ask because I would, I would assume that Mobility is a new sponsor, but it's actually a mission rather than a sponsor, correct? Correct. We, uh, our mission is to promote and develop uh, solutions for, for sustainable mobility. And we were thinking of why can't we just tell that to the world through our, to the name of the, of the team. Um, so uh, then we decided now to, because everybody knows that we are team, are a team. So we, we don't have to tell the world that. And we, everybody knows that we run uh, pro cycling operations. So uh, then we decided to keep the UNOX, of course, and then uh, put into uh, the mobility world. And um, so far, so good. And uh, we will try to, to use that um, uh, for our storytelling in the years to come. So then I believe you already had your first come together training camp, like most teams they had in December, I believe. Um, yes. You did some schooling, some educating to the riders, men's and women's team about your goals, about your mission. So they would know what they talk about. Um, you spent some time with them to explain? Yes, uh, quite a lot. And we, we want, you can talk as much as you want about rules in a team or in a structure or, or from a UCI perspective or VADA perspective, but we are working with youngsters and, and we, we, we want to focus on our values and the attitude of our youngsters. And we spend quite a lot of time on that. And we have, of course, especially in the men's team, the advantage of, of being able to speak our mother language. Uh, the riders can do that. Uh, they are they are good friends. They are very closely related, many of them. Uh, so we are really trying to... It's difficult to use the family word in, in top sport, I guess. Uh, it's a cynical world out there. But we are trying to create a, a shelter for, for for our guys and girls to, to make sure that they, they, they feel different and they are part of something different with a very, very clear identity uh, reflecting on the values we have as a company and, and taking that into the team. Well, and you have a, a massive team. Okay, you are the general manager. Our friend and ex-teammate, Kurt Osler Arvison is the head of sport men, and Alexandra Greenfeld is head of sport women. Tell us how the communication flows between not only the men's team and the women's team, but also your development team. Yeah, um, so that that's totally true. And uh, um, I... Uh, Very often, I don't feel I have a big role in this. We have a fantastic management group in both the men's team and the women's team. Uh, 
uh, Alex and Kurt Oshley is running that um, with um, with a fantastic effort. Um, but of course, yeah, um, I hope they feel that I am close to them, that I I am operating as a safety net for them. But I also want them to be very very clear decision makers. And we have a philosophy where we want to delegate decisions. So the decisions are not lying on my table. They are taking out there where where we have managers and we have sports directors um, being uh, competent and, and being holistic about it and being able to take good decisions. And this has uh, been a very clear identity for us and it attracts people because clever people need space. And when they get space, they blossom. And when they blossom, they produce results and performances. Um, and, and Kurt Oshley is clearly, and Alex, is, they, they, they're both clearly operating within this mindset. And my ambition and my role is to make sure that they are uh, guided in that direction uh, and the rest is up to them and the team. So um, to make it uh, more understandable for our, our listeners, <laughs> how many people you have in your organization? 75 oh. to 80 people? It's got to be a lot, right? Close to 100 maybe. Yeah, 70, 60, 70 on the staff side. And then you have to add the riders. We have uh, 56 riders under contract. And of course, the first couple of years with the Devo team, I, 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 we didn't do that too well, I think. It, it was a, too much distance between the pro group and the, and the Devo group. Um, I, in the beginning, I wanted it to be a difference. I wanted them to sit on camping chairs and suffer and go to Shiro Valle de Osta and, and do uh, 18,000 altitude meters in, in three days and hopefully get the pro contract that's a not a good way of thinking um so we have completely i would say take integrated the devil structure more into the team but all in all we are 120 130 people but i'm not scared about the amount of people because we have freaking good managers so that's all good you, you know you're you're explaining um to to us a very unique way of of leadership um And when I hear a unique way of leading in the sport that is very conventional, um, I'm very interested in who you listen to or who inspired you to lead the way that you're you're currently leading. When you know at the, throughout your life, throughout the start of the team, um, and maybe even now. Yeah. So um, we have a very we have a blue book. We have our Bible in our company and one of the key ambitions when we started the cycling team was to transform that bible running a family business we are family owned a rate on family a, a, a unbelievable uh, fantastic family here in norway they're very well known their philosophy has been transformed into the cycling team uh, they have a very clear leadership philosophy related to what i've already said delegation um decision-making, uh, we don't like hierarchies, we prefer attitude over rules and so on. All this is, is written down in that book. Um, so I'm very inspired by that. I'm my, Myself, I have been mentored for, for all of these years. Uh, my chairman is Vegard Kulset, um, and, and he has been my close mentor and, and um, uh, both uh, direct, but also with a good heart leading me into this. Um, so it's a big team effort. And I think it's very, very important to say because we are basically all our funding is coming from UNOX and, and from our owners. So um, we have no, there's no other option for us than to transform their way of thinking into the cycling team. That's what we want to do. And that's our chosen way. Everyone else telling us to do something different we will shut our ears and not listen to. <laughs> I must say, as a compliment also to you and your team, it is so refreshing to hear you talking because Bobby and me, we have been in a sport for a long time and a lot of managers tend to become micromanagers. Isn't that right, Bobby? They like to control the tire pressure, the chain, uh, the, how much loop goes on the chain before the start of the race. They want to know and, in fact, impact everything. And it's so refreshing to hear your approach. Uh, I just, I'm just blown away. So just a compliment uh, from my side to you. It is really great. I'm so glad we have you to, to talk about it. 
What 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 is important in that way of thinking? Saying that being said, is that you will you need to accept more ups and downs potentially because the, it's a learning curve, right? So if you want to educate and guide uh, sports directors to be, become strong individuals and and lead the collective, they need also to fail, and they need they need to fail performance wise and result wise. Um, and they need to be told when they fail, but they also need to be told, let's go again and make sure we don't do the same mistake again. Um, so it's a very, very fine balance because we are top sport and top sport, it is strange mechanisms into it. Um, but we are, we're, we're trying to, and, and, um, we have found our way of doing it. And, uh, of course, um, we will continue to stay like this. Well, I, you know, you guys definitely burst on the scene, your, your Jersey, your Jersey colors, um, the way that you guys race was, was very unique. And, you know, with new teams breaking into the big stage, there's always a little bit of, oh boy, these guys, these guys are gonna, are gonna fail. But it seems like you're, you're embracing that and giving these, these young men and women the opportunity to, to make mistakes, but talking about some young uh, opportunity. Um, Tobias and Anders Johansson joined the team from your development team back in 2022. Uh, Tobias mm. is now your most successful rider in terms of point scoring from last year. Just to, you know, and, and you recently signed both these brothers to uh, contracts through 2026. Just to single out these two riders, I'm sure we'll speak about more. Um, what are the expectation and the potential of these two twin brothers? Um, well, Tobias Johannesson is just, uh, he won the Tour de la Vendée. Uh, he won a solo victory in, in Tour of Luxembourg in a very strong peloton uh, in 23. Uh, he has uh, amazing skills, uh, Tobias. He, he climbs really well. He, he completed his first Tour de, first tour de France and, and did well in the last week. Um, so that was a, a um, a big, uh, big yes for us. Uh, Anders has been struggling a bit more with uh, his health in 23, but uh, first and foremost, it's important to say that they are wonderful guys. They contribute to our culture. They have a big smiles. They, uh, they, 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 they feel home in our team. Um, they, they, they've been part of and well known in Norwegian cycling for quite some time. They were good mountain bikers, both of, both of them. Uh, but but Tobias, he is he is for sure um, going into this year with with the with the, um, the expectations or hope to, to 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 look for world tour victories and and that should be the ambition of Tobias and and thank God I I, I sat in a meeting with Christian Prudhomme in in, uh, in late November and said ah Prudhomme now it's a it's a big task ahead of me ahead of Christmas. I need to sign the twin brothers, and 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 thank God I made it. So it was the it was a Christmas gift to the, to, to to them uh, uh, and also to us. <laughs> so when you said you talked to uh, Christian Prudhomme and um, World Tour races like the Tour de France, um, what is your ideal path to go there to actually become a holder of a World Tour license? Or is that not the goal for you at all? Or if it's a goal, how how do you want to get there? And how many more months or years you think it's going to take you? There's no other way of putting it than saying that 24 and 25 are very critical years for, for Unix. We are aiming for that World Tour license now. We are 2,000-ish points behind uh, the teams ahead of us. Um, we have uh, gotten Andreas Lechnesund back. He had five days in pink in the Giro d'Italia. We have Magnus Kort Nielsen. He has almost 10 victories now in, in, in Grand Tours, stage Grand Tours. So uh, that signals an ambition, also financially-wise and everything. So we are going for it. We are looking at the league table. We're not hiding it. We're planning after getting as much, most of the points as possible uh, during the calendar. And I think it is possible. Uh, I, we are aiming for that World Tour license in 26. And uh, in my mind, we will get there. Well, to, to those of you listening to the podcast versus those of you that are watching the podcast, Jens, you have a Tour de France hat on. And you guys did the Tour de France this year for the first time as a non-World Tour team. When did you guys find out that you were going to be one of the wild cards going into the Tour de France last year? The 1st of January at uh, 15.42 
Christian Prudhomme called me. I was supposed to pick up pizza at the local restaurant up in the mountains in Norway. I was uh, looking forward back to the normal days with with the with the kids back at school. And then it said Christian Prudhomme in the display. He he, he said hello, uh, Mr. Hoglund. Uh, you say you are ready because I have tweeted, of course, something on, on Twitter saying or X that we were ready for another year. But uh, and then they said, are you really ready because you are going to race the Tour de France? And then uh, I was just screaming. I put the phone next to me in the, in in the in the seat of the car, um, and uh, and I, I remembered. I just said to to Prudhomme, uh, "Thank you very much, sir. Um, now I'm going home to drink a bottle of champagne." <laughs> so it was a, a moment, of course, uh, we and I will will never forget. And I believe the team took it as well with a lot of happiness and. Um... But were you also a little scared? Or no, not scared, but like a little nervous, like the whole world is watching now. I mean, Tour Lavigny is a fantastic race, but the Tour de France, it's broadcasted in like, a, I believe, a plus 100 countries in the world. So I guess there must be a little moment of, okay, now it's getting real, no? Yes, it's overwhelming, um, very overwhelming, uh, and and that this is also why I'm very happy to have people like Kurt Oschle, Gabriel Rask. We have, we are close and good friends with Tour Hushold as well. Um, these guys, they they know what it's about. Um, we, we 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 try to keep that tunnel view from a sporting side going into the Tour de France, and at the same time, make sure that we are ourselves. Uh, that we don't transform into something different. Uh, I know that I'm younger than most of the general managers in, 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 in the peloton, probably the youngest, but that doesn't change our way of be behaving as a team, as, as people. And um, it's a lot better to, to be in the team paddock with big smiles and, and hopes for every day than, than, being, a, than being a prick and, and, and just running by rules. That, that's just not our style and we will never be like that. We'll be back after this short break. And now back to our chat with Jens. Up until recently, you guys have promoted a lot of homegrown talent from your development team into the bigger team. Uh, in 2023, yeah. you added, you know, experienced, bonafide winner Alexander Kristoff. And this year you added Magnus Court, uh, who's also just a total badass. Um, what <laughs> do you think adding these two experienced, um, well-seasoned veterans to a, a team of young guys is, is going to do for you guys uh, in the future? So uh, it's it's not it's not it's not easy to to show on TV, but you guys know it. You know you know you the dynamics on the bus. Think about all the hours you travel as a team. Think about our youngsters. We have Søren Varenshol, uh, up and classic, uh, up and coming uh, world class classic rider. Uh, he he is now 23, 24 years old, and he can sit in the bus with Alexander Kristoff ahead of every race, ahead of Gent Wevelgeva, ahead of Paris Roubaix, ahead of Ronde van Flanderen. This is what we need. This is the dynamic we need, and you need to. And, and Alexander, you know, he's still that guy who goes out for six hours today in Gran Canaria. He does it tomorrow. He does the day after so these are the role models i want in my team and we want in our team to 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 educate these youngsters because then we, we get the dynamic we want because we want to move them up uh, and we need some role models but we are not a retirement home this is not a retirement home for norwegian and danish riders so i'm i'm pretty we are pretty strict about which riders but alexander is for sure one of those um role models so if um, if you have a vision and Kurt Asle ha has a vision about how we're going to compose the team, how is the decision making? You're going to put your thumb down, go, no, I want this rider and this rider in the team. Or Kurt Asle goes, no, 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 I have seen it before. These riders would work better together. Or how much influence do you have on decisions about material, which tires, which bikes, uh, which riders they're going to get? Are you involved there on a daily base? No, not on a daily base, not at all. Um, but I have a very special relationship with Kurt Oshle. We've been working together for, for almost 10 years now. I, I trust him a lot. Uh, he's a fantastic lad and he knows when to call me and I know when to call him. 
and it, it's it's working really great. Uh, I think we have never signed a rider without um, having it clear between me and him. Um, I'm the one uh, settling the, the the contracts with 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 agents and riders, and and all very very often in dialogue with Kurt Oshlen, never on my own. Um, so uh, I, this is a part of the game that we love. Uh, it's also something that we feel very uh, uh, we have a strong ownership to. Uh, because it's a very exciting process, of course, setting the roster. And we have limitations, but we also have some very, very attractive prospects for now and also in the years to come. Um, but but now we have also been, we are really, if you look at the roster now and, and see what we have for the next two, three years, we are we are on the safe side. Uh, we have made sure that we have signed long-term contracts now. Uh, and and um, I think both me and Kurt Oshle, uh, we are very happy about that. I think Kurt Oshle is still sweating a bit about the World Tour ambition. Uh, he came back to Norway to reduce his travel days. Um, it's, it's not working that well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a perfect segue into my next question. What are the team's objectives for 2024? Um, do you already have some grand tours on on the schedule? Uh, that, that's why I'm wearing the hat, uh, Mr. Julik. I'm trying to convince Prudhomme in every occasion possible to to send that wild card back again up to Norway. Um, but we haven't heard anything yet. We are still waiting for the wild cards uh, for 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 the Tour de France and also, of course, Paris, Dauphiné, and so on. We really want to race uh, Tirreno Adriatico. Hopefully, we can get a bit more into Italy as well. But the good thing is we are automatically qualified for, for the Wonder Races at the World Tour, uh, um, in the World Tour schedule. So that's really good, the first time. Um, so uh, what we need to do this year is to make sure that we start closing the points gap. So uh, it comes with, with quite some pressure. Um, but we also have a big advantage now of being actually able to race all the one-day World Tour races because um, we have never been to Canada racing Montreal or, or Quebec. We have never raced San Sebastian. We haven't been a part of San Remo or Strade Bianca yet. So all of these races are new to us this year. So let's, uh, let's put all our efforts into that. We have a stronger roster and then we will, we will um, fight for those points. So for the for the wild cards uh, for the tour and oh, for the French races the Dauphiné and so on, um, mm. who are your competitors? Uh, like uh, from your point of view, who is on the list? We we talk about four wild cards, correct? And there's got to be at least six, maybe seven teams in the game. Yeah, so four wild cards, but two of them are secure for 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 Lotto and and uh, and Israel. Um, so uh, then we are left with two. Uh, I will be very surprised uh, surprised if Total Energy does not come with a wild card, French pro team. Uh, so then we're left with one. Um, I uh, I think uh, we are up against Mr. Cancellara, uh, a guy in South Africa, Mr. De Ryder Douglas. He's probably uh, hiding in the bushes somewhere trying to get those wild cards. Um, and and uh, we also have some very exciting new and up-and-coming teams. Uh, take uh, Tour de Titema. They have a very exciting and fun project, very attractive to, to the new world of cycling. Um, so Tudor, Q36.5, uh, TDT. Um, but if you look at the points, I think the, the answers uh, should be clear. You know, one thing that keeps coming to mind is um, budget, you know, super teams, right? And you guys mm. aren't there yet. Um, you have a very unique mission and philosophy, like I've said before, which is very rare. Um, if someone suddenly parked, I don't know, let's just say an extra 25 million euro at your doorstep, um, how mm. would you use that money to further your mission while still maintaining that that current philosophy that you have right now that's a good question uh, bobby um we will we will we will stay with the same identity um and, and the way of thinking but of course and and it's, this is a worry for us it's very very difficult to keep our riders and it, the skewness now in the peloton is getting more and more extreme um you have teams operating at 45 almost 50 million euros per year now and and we are not even we're not even close we're not not even halfway right so we need to be very smart about how we spend our money at the moment and and i i don't like the way it's it, it's going at the moment now for in cycling i i, I there's no secret i am i'm 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 i'm, I'm fond of 
of talking about salary and budget caps in, in professional cycling. I think that's that's something to look into. Um, but if that money shows up, if we are we are not we are openly te- saying that we are looking for partners. So uh, if the right one is is uh, up there, preferably from Norway or Denmark, um, we are willing to give uh, space both on the jersey and, and on the name side. Um, but we are not giving it away uh, because this is this is something solid now. Um, so we want a partner that recognizes the value of having a team from up north going to going to France every year. Um, a question also concerning the budget, but slightly out of our context now just came to my mind. Mm. The Tour de France start in Denmark was a huge success, right? I mean, we yes. all agree on this. It was simply fantastic. Yes. From Copenhagen, it is only 20 minutes further in a plane to go to Norway. Would that ever be a project to have a Grand Depart like the first three days in Norway? I mean, they did it already in Denmark and it's only 20 minutes more flight. It should be possible, shouldn't it? Has that ever crossed your mind to have a Grand Depart of the tour in Denmark with you being partner of it? I could I could even read in the news, uh, Jens, that you, you said it this summer that that the Grand Depart should be in, in Norway and Oslo. Um, it's it's for sure possible. We have a very strong cycling culture in Norway. We have we have good organizers. We know how to do races. Um, so on that side and and Oslo, they are already established in Norway with Arctic Race on Norway. So uh, absolutely, and and the money is for sure there for us being a part of it. Then I need to put my uh, cycling t- our cycling team. It's not my cycling team. Our cycling team uh, on pause uh, probably for a year or so i won't do that but we will for sure come to that race so hopefully that can inspire someone else also to to, to put some financials into it but but we are talking about i guess 15 to 20 million euros for those three four days but if you look at copenhagen two million spectators around the parkour for three days they're still talking about it and and the aftermaths of, of recruitment and and now they have will have a world tour race now uh one day races they're establishing that now in denmark um for both men and women so um amazing um and and let's see what what's pos- uh, possible um in the future another question that i have is you know we've had dagato lauritsen we've had edvald bolsenhagen we've had tor Hushoft, we've had kurt asla arvison yourself what is going on up in norway with the the ability to create endurance athletes and especially through the, you know, the very well coined term, the Norwegian method. Um, are you mm. guys, you know, looking into something, doing things a little bit differently to produce this many great athletes from such small countries? That's up to you to decide. Uh, but uh, for instance, my, uh, my eight year old, he, He is allowed to compete when he goes skiing uh, this afternoon, but he's not allowed to stay on the podium. He's not allowed to see how fast he went. And he won't be able to do that until he's 12 years old. Um, and that's the, that's the children model in Norway for sports. We, we, we try, I think, from an endurance perspective to have a very long-term view on, on focusing on, on variation and being happy with what you do. Uh, it's not it's not so important how you do it and what you do as long as you're happy because then you stay motivated you keep the social life um, and and if you end up in football or skiing or cycling that doesn't really matter um, so I think that that way of thinking uh, it's it's re- the, the mo- motivation is more internal related to having fun with sports and then when it gets more serious then you can add more into it blah 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 and then it moves on and then you take the slow steps and 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 then there's there's space for the top performers as well so you mentioned you have three children is the eight-year-old the oldest one the first one in sports or the other children doing some sort of sports um, as well oh we have activities almost every night Uh, skiing, uh, cross-country skiing, alpine skiing, cycling, and football. Uh, it's uh, some and swimming. So it's going all. Uh, it's a it's a hectic life, like it should be, I guess. With with three three small kids, they are the most important uh, players in my life, together with my girlfriend. Um, so um, yeah, and I am very I'm very proud of living in Norway and, and having that. Um, 
that culture. I, I came back on the 2nd of January. It was cross-country training for uh, the 2015 class. So they are eight year old now. And it was uh, 37 kids standing there out there in minus 10 degrees in, in just my very tiny local club ready for cross-country training. Jeez, jeez. Well, <clears throat> we, we've spoken about your, your men's team, your development team, but you also, as a self-admitted smaller organization, you have a world's women's team led by Alexandra Grenf uh, Greenfeld, who's entering its third season. Um, unlike the men, uh, they're compromised of riders not only from Norway and Denmark, but also the UK, Sweden, uh, Finland, Canada, Netherlands, and, and even Italy. What goals and expectations do you have for, for these women in, in 2024? Uh, we were fighting a lot to make sure we got the license for another two years in, in that women team. It became it was a rough start for us going straight into the World Tour calendar with, with a young and up-and-coming team. And now we are, we are in our third year. Things, things are settling a bit more. Um, the women's uh, cycling side of things are uh, improving in so many ways. Um, and we are taking that very serious. We want to replicate our way of thinking, our structure, material, people, everything into the women's team. But you also need to accept it takes time. You can't just click on a button and then everything is a big success in this world. Um, so uh, we, will, uh, we, will, we will aim at being uh, on the top 10 side of things in, in, in the women's uh, peloton. Um, we have gotten some really exciting prospects. I even got a girl from Canada now with Simone Boyard um it's super talent um so uh and you're right we have said we are staying with with 50 50 so 50 percent of the riders should be from norway or denmark but we also need to be honest about if we were to have 20 riders from norway and denmark only in the women's team we will get into a bit of a trouble so this is why we are supplementing it with 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 riders such as uh, uh, Eleanor Barker, one of the most decorated uh, female riders in the UK um, all time. And um, going to your third uh, division, the Devo team um, or development team, um, any future Jonas Wingegaard in there? Any, anything that comes to you and you go, yeah, I think there is like a little bit of a raw diamond in the team. Not, uh, not being a good at the moment. I think that guy is actually in uh, probably... Uh, yeah, I, I have in the pro team, I have one, but I'm not... Uh, I won't put that pressure on him. We have a climber also in Jumbo Visma in the devil team from Norway uh, that it, it has amazing junior results. But um, as you know, uh, it is still distance from being a junior. Um, uh, the juniors, they are jumping straight into the pro circuit now. They, they almost don't race under 23 anymore and not everyone is Remco Evnepoel and Pogacars uh, we need to be really really careful about that way of thinking I don't like it I also said that openly when, when agents are, are coming and talking to 14 year olds in Norway now um, but of course that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the way it's gone at the moment because it's not regulated and everyone is looking for the next Jonas Remco and Tadej One thing I, I, I find interesting is we've had We've had um, Danish writer Michael uh, Valgren on the team, and yes. we kind of we spoke with him and we asked him about, you know, how he gets along with the other Danish writers. And afterwards, Jens and I kind of, I think it was you, Jens, that said, um, you know, I think they like to win, but they even like to, you know, beat each other. But you've put together a Do you team. like that better. They, they, they like that they, better. Say, they, they like to mm. win, but they like to win even more if the second guy is another Danish guy. <laughs> exactly. It was a bit like that. Also, back in the days, we had Mr. Husov, then Boasson Hagen, and Husov, then Christoph. And I guess we have many stories like that. Um, mm. But but how are you managing that? Because I know, well, back when I was racing, uh, the Americans were kind of spread out over certain teams because we were uber competitive with each other. We weren't teammates. Mm. Um, you look at the current crop of Americans this, in this generation, it's kind of the same. Like, I don't think we could put together a team solely of American riders, but that, that ability to, um, work as a team 
and still find your ability to get personal results. I, I'm curious how, how that's working uh, within your organization with so many, so many young guys, so many talented young guys and, and, and women with, in the same team. Oh, that's, um, I think we are very trust-based in the team. Uh, Magnus Kort, he, he didn't sign with one requirement. Alexander Kristoff, he didn't sign with one requirement regarding calendar. Um, I think we have been very clear about the team is, is above everything in our system, in our way of thinking. And I think that even, even the things you're talking about there, Bobby, I think they are they are beaten by the fun of sitting in the bus and talking to your teammates in your mother language and fighting with with the feeling of, of having the flag behind you. I think that's a very strong thing to feel, um, especially when you have done all the other things, when you have been in BMC or Katusha or EF Education and been many years out there. I think that feeling of coming home and, and still see that, wow, we have a performance group here that is strong enough even with, with our limited uh, scope of, of countries um so um at the moment i uh, i don't see that as a big challenge at all actually um but it might be in the future um because we, we, we want to raise the ladder even more so it might be more challenging we are still so small tiny and up and coming hopefully i guess that's why um, creating a good team spirit is always important, and many teams use the December training camp for that. Do you do any special activities like whatever, go on hikes together, have a campfire together, whatever, sing the Norwegian anthem together, anything like out of the ordinary you guys did to like, hey, let's bound together as one unit here? Oh, you know, we have done the, we have done the army camps a couple of times. Uh, that's been pretty intense. Uh, we have realized that um, we can't do that every year uh, because uh, then people will not show up anymore for the kickoff camp. Um, but uh, that way, we, we don't focus on any luxury or fancy stuff in our team camps. We focus on being together. If it's around a fire or it's around a, in a sitting in a lava, we, the women's team, we brought them up to the Norwegian mountains. It was minus 15 and they all slept uh, 35 people in a lava. Um, and and uh, and had good talks around around the fire and then the rest next morning they got up and and uh, did um uh, what do you say they went with uh, with dogs so sh with the sledge uh, out, out in the mountain uh, so to make sure they also have some bucket list uh, moments they could tick off um so we were trying to be um, we're trying to the most important thing is to be together and the most important thing is also to make sure we don't we don't uh, make distinctions between uh, a mechanic or a carer or a sports director or a general manager or a rider. I, we are all the same team. Um, and and I, whenever, whenever I hear someone saying it's not my job or it's not my role, then I say, well, you might say that, but please say it somewhere else. In our team, you're a part of the team and, and um, we expect you to do what is required and even more. Um, so I guess that's what we're trying to reflect also on the kickoffs. Just a little clarification. Uh, when they slept up on a mountain, in a, what was the word you used? Lavo? What is that, like a tent oh, yeah, or a sleeping I, bag? I, I was a bit unsure if you can use that word in English. Uh, Lavo is a big tent. So uh, you gather everyone in the big tent and then you we had a big pot with a big stew in and everyone just had to eat out of that. And, yeah, and yeah, I, I know what you mean, like a tent for bags. 10, 20 people. Like a bigger, bigger, like a tent. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. A big ass tent, yes. Um, and uh, it worked uh, very well until uh, the we went out of wood and uh, we ended up in a bit of trouble midnight there but um, that's how it should be this these camps uh, we want some challenges to happen right uh, as long as we are on the safe side there's no secret we kind of messed it up a bit in the men's team this year and i've been reading that on the social media for the last two three weeks uh, uh, because uh, we uh, we had this go-kart session and some of the boys they were really eager it was kind of a lema way of thinking so it was a competition of racing 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 uh, but they forgot to to get out and get some fresh air. So they actually had a couple of them to to go to the hospital and, and get some oxygen and and and, and pressure uh, uh, stuff from from the hospital. They're all fine. Uh, the one of the guys he he even won the competition in the in the team camp now in December in 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 Spain uh, the race competition. So maybe maybe it's something we should do <laughs> on a more occasional basis. That's a joke. 
that's a joke but um yeah we, so um we try to, to not get into those stories <laughs> my my final question is when you're building a team with a very nationalistic presence and then there's a rider from especially norway that signs on another mm. team and that mm. that's very i think uh ineos has too you just mentioned jumbo visma are you like yes. oh those guys slip through the net or you're like i'm gonna build this team to motivate these riders that aren't on my team currently to come back in the fold and be be a part of something special it's always voluntarily to choose your team. And I think in a country like Norway or even Denmark, we should be proud of every, every rider going out into the, into the pro peloton. And if we don't support that from our little side, then I think we are, uh, I don't know the perfect word in English for us, but then, then we're screwing it up completely. Uh, and we are a part of an ecosystem and we need to acknowledge that the part of being that ecosystem. I cannot compete with the race calendar of Richard Plugge and, and Visma Lisa Bike. I, I know that. I have something different and it's up to the rider to choose that or not. Um, and the history has also shown that it works well well to say to a rider, um, Andreas Lechnesund, we are super happy for what you have done. We wish you all the best in Team DSM. He's been with DSM in three years and then he gives us a call with, with uh, Manuel Quinciato in, in, in the springtime and says he wants to come back and now he's racing for us the next three years. So, we need to understand where we are, uh, what we are a part of, and uh, let's try to, to create a good atmosphere around these circumstances. Uh, you, uh, you win some and you lose some. Um, and, and let's try to, I always say, we, you are always welcome in this team when you come and we want you to feel welcome. And when you leave the team, we always say you are welcome back. Not necessarily in terms of a contract, but if you call Tobias Foss, he's now in Ineos, he's been in Visma, he started and won Tour de l'Avenir for UNOX. I hope Tobias always will talk about UNOX with a smile and with respect, because um, that's, what, that's the atmosphere we want to have with, with, with our riders staying and our riders leaving. Nice. Um, I would have a very easy last question. Have you ever tried ride your bike yourself? Did you ever go out with the girls or the boys on an easy ride? And how did you like it? Was it easy? Was it hard for you? How do you feel yeah, about I went, it? Uh, I went out with uh, with Marcus. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Marcus is a great guy. Uh, it was a fun story. And of course, with a bit of a, a smile on it. Um, but uh, yes, I try to do that every year. I call it my uh, yearly health check. Um, I love going on recons with them. Um, I, I sometimes I go with on the longer trips uh, with them. I'm I'm not useless on the bike. I I just uh, I just need to be a, a bit picky about which days and which terrain to to hang on on. Um, but I, I love going with them on the bike. And I also with this year in, in Tour de France, um, I try to go even to the start or back to the hotel almost every day just to make sure that I don't spend all uh, the hours in the bus eating Haribo because uh, then um, my girlfriend doesn't want me anymore. So um, yeah, I love being on the bike and uh, the feeling of freedom and, and, and even trying to tell your legs to, to shut up. Um, uh, it's wonderful. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, Jens, it was great to know you. You know, we're big fans of your team. It's great to you know speak with you and, and know you a little bit more as a person. We wish you all the best in the 2024 season and beyond. And thank you again for, for coming on Bobby and Jens today. Thank you very much and all the best for 2024. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Huge thanks to Jens for being our guest. Thanks for listening and please give us a five-star review and please share us with your friends. As always, the show was a Bellow production in association with Shock Giraffe. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Payne. Remember to check out the video version of this podcast by heading to the Outside Watch YouTube channel. We heard Jens reveal the incredible way he discovered that Uno X were going to the Tour de France. But we want to know what was the best phone call you have ever received. Get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook at Bobby and Jens and let us know.